Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Joining us today is award-winning documentary filmmaker Nick Broomfield. The film, The Stones and Brian Jones, features revealing interviews with all the main players and unseen archive footage for the very first time. The Stones and Brian Jones explores the creative musical genius of Brian Jones, keyed to the success of the band, and uncovers how the founder of what became the greatest rock and roll band in the world was left behind in the shadows of history. Nick Broomfield is known for his observational style of filmmaking, known for such great films as Kurt and Courtney, Biggie and Tupac, and many, many others. He's won numerous awards, the Sundance Film Festival, British Academy Award, the DuPont Peabody Award, and many, many others. Nick Broomfield, welcome back to Film School Radio. Great pleasure. I grew up with the Stones. I think we were pretty close in age. One of my first memories as a teenager was going out and buying a couple of Stones albums. One of them was High Tides and Green Grass, and the other one was Between the Buttons. What I didn't realize until I saw this film was how much of an influence Brian Jones was on the foundational aspect of the Stones and how dedicated he was to the idea of American blues music and its impact on the music that he wanted to make. Let's talk about what the Stones meant to you, and also I believe there is an, even a personal aspect to some of this in terms of you actually met Brian Jones. I think we all admired the Stones enormously. I was at a rather strict British uh, boarding school, and I was you know, traveling back to, to school in my kind of little flannel suit. And the Stones, I guess, epitomized everything we wish we could be, sort of anti-authority, rebellious, with a completely different agenda to the one we were subjected to. And, uh, you know, I bumped into Brian on a train, and he was extremely friendly. Uh, I was surprised how middle-class he sounded. I I loved their music, and I was surprised by Brian. I was surprised that he was so well-mannered, really. Uh, and well-spoken, uh, he, you know, obviously I discovered when I made the film, he was a grammar school boy, father designed jet engines, you know, very, very sophisticated background. But he was mainly interested, actually, funnily enough, in talking about the, the railway that we were on, which was designed by Isambard Brunel, and it was a great Western line, and he was a great fan of that particular railway. And I later learned that he had his own uh, railway uh, model set and would collect bits and pieces for it when they were on tour. So, you know, you know how it is. You you meet people and they're completely the opposite to what you imagine. And it it was kind of great meeting him. And and then I absolutely dismayed and shocked when he was dead six years later, you know, because he was kind of a hero and he was the one that all the girls seemed to love. You know, he was, very cute with that sort of bonnet of hair and he was always at the front of the stage and yeah it was it was it was just shocking that he disappeared so quickly so i wanted to make a film about the 60s uh, which was obviously a sort of seminal time for me when i was growing up and i always remembered 
you know, bumping into Brian Jones, it seems such a sort of, you know, it's a bit like, where were you when President Kennedy was shot? It's that yeah. kind of moment. Yeah. So it was a way of obviously revisiting the 60s, but very much looking at Brian Jones, who I think in many ways epitomized the 60s, that sort of enormous post the generation gap between the parents who were born before the war and the kids who were born, you know, or grew up after the war and wanted a completely different life to that of their parents. What I didn't know to the extent that I see in this film, The Stones and Brian Jones, it was the influence that blues music, I mean, going back to that era, it was the Beatles versus the Stones, or who did you like? There was that kind of back and forth. What they both seem to share is an affinity, a love of R&B music and the blues, but the Stones through Brian Jones seem to really embrace it in a way uh, that went even beyond what the Beatles were embracing with their music. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think I think for Brian, the blues was really kind of his salvation for growing up in a very repressive way in Cheltenham, going to the grammar school, having parents who were both Welsh Baptists, very religious. And the blues was somehow, he identified with the blues, which was completely unrecognized in the United States at that time. None of them were really known. And I think just emotionally, he identified with the blues and just felt this was where his heart and soul was. You know, and maybe in part was very disillusioned when it, it wasn't really. It, they were not the salvation maybe that he wanted. Well, there's a part there's a part of this film, The Stones and Brian Jones, that I was unaware of. And and that was that Brian Jones was really the origin story for the formation of the Rolling Stones. Let's talk about how that came about. Yeah, well, uh, well, Brian was by far the most musically advanced. He had been in various bands. He had played uh, sort of 50 gigs or so. I think the rest of the Stones were starting out completely. You know, Mick was at the Lund School of Economics and Brian sort of put them together. I think Bill in the film says, you know, he was an engineer at the time. Brian was the one who could play uh, the slide guitar and had worked out the keys that people like Muddy Waters and uh, were playing. And so initially, anyway, he was the one who, for example, taught Keith how to interlace the guitar and all, all those intricate things that the Stones became very well known for. And he was the one who, I guess, introduced them to various songs and that kind of thing, which they then adapted. And I think in the early days, he added a, a, a sort of um, very original tone to a lot of the tunes. You know, he was the guy who played the guitar and painted black and brought that whole feel to it. He was the guy who played the recorder in uh, Ruby Tuesday. And he he had this ability of setting the tone of song, which was very, very important when they were adapting other people's material. And I guess that importance receded when the Stones were writing their own music. And in, in a sense, that's when, you know, Mick and Keith took over and became the Stones as we know them now. And Brian 
found it very difficult to take a sort of back seat position and I think fell out particularly with Mick who was very much the leader of the band and was it was fairly intolerant I think of of Brian who I think became you know more and more unreliable and so on what we're talking about is kind of the the backstage things the, about the Rolling Stones but as I'm listening to the early Stones music I can hear that blues influence for sure and and more than ever now as i'm you know kind of recalling some of the especially like paint it black just the some of the songs that were on those very first couple of albums and but the film also focuses on more than just brian and his the relationship with the rolling stones we see his life through the his paramours the women that he became um involved with and how that influenced his life. So this is a of what in, in my mind is a more than just the a snapshot of the stones and Brian Jones. It's about him and his life, how he sensitive he's he appears to me to be a, a person who absorbed a lot of influences and seemed very much plugged into those to to what it had came out in his music. He was the person who had in a sense the vision at the yeah. beginning. Thank you. He was the most together, and he was the one who saw, in a sense, his salvation in blues music. And I think for the first year and a half, he was the one who actually booked the gigs, who worked out how much everyone was going to get paid, who sort of actually organized the band, too. You have to remember, too, at this time, there weren't really any any bands and there weren't managers and there weren't management companies, which is what we all think of now. It was all very much done by one person. And that that for the Stones was Brian Jones to begin with. <clears throat> and then, of course, that all changed when they got Andrew Log, Log Oldham uh, joined them. Yeah. He, of course, took over and had a very different view of how he wanted the Stones to be than Brian had had. I think Brian wanted them to stay as a R&B band doing covers. And Andrew Logolam wanted them to be much more like the Beatles who were writing their own material. In making the film, um, Nick, what did you sort of the footage? There's a lot of archival footage, obviously, from that period of time. Um, were there things that you discovered in the making of the film that um, surprised you or a revelation to you in terms of his life? and? Yes, I mean, I think I was surprised, but then again, you're not surprised, but he was so affected by getting the approval of his parents, yeah. which is something you don't normally associate with a rock and roll band. I think uh, Mick and Keith and Bill and, and Charlie all had pretty supportive families who were pretty working class on the whole, and it was like, great, you, you're out there doing something, earning a bit of money. Whereas Brian was the one from a very middle class family who had high hopes for him joining one of the professions as a solicitor or a doctor or something like that. And were very disapproving of his forming a rock band. And he would write these rather painful letters to his parents trying to, uh, well, very much get their approval, explain what he was doing. And it obviously mattered a great deal to him that they thought 
uh, well of him. And, and in fact, he ne- you know, the tragedy is <coughs> that he never really achieved that. That by the time his parents realized their mistake, you know, Brian was already dead. Brian had been kicked out of his home when he was 17. Um, he got a girl pregnant. And he then drifted around, really, from one relationship to another, in many ways, kind of looking for uh, an alternative family. He would be adopted by the mothers in the family and who would iron um, his shirts and cook him meals and so on and get the daughters pregnant and then would move on to the next one. And a lot of the film, actually, is the women that he was uh, involved with talking about Brian. And the, you know, the surprising thing, in a way, is that you know, they, they, they have a, this incredible love for him. And they adore him. And he was a very special moment for them in their life. So it wasn't just a sort of one-way thing. And I think, you know, it's very interesting to see a portrait of the Stones through the girlfriend's eyes rather than it being uh, from the bandmates kind of telling the same old stories. You get you get a, a real sense of the 60s and the difficulties of growing up at that time and how everything was new. Uh, it hadn't been done before. Again, I just for that word sensitive. He seemed a person who uh, willing to absorb sources, incorporate them into his art. And by virtue of that, he seemed um, vulnerable as well to me, in, especially as we hear the conversations with his former girlfriends in the film. Um, I, I love this film. I, I really do. I, I'm a big fan of that era. I think in some ways it's overstated in terms of some of the things about that era are overstated. But I I, I do think that what you described earlier, this kind of generational shift, the, the, the world was being seen differently by younger people than their parents. I think that is tremendously important. It's had a tremendous impact around the world. So on that level, I, I look at the Stones and the Beatles, these kind of seismic cultural changes um as important and and for the most part positive i think the uh, and uh, again nick broomfield thank you the congratulations on the film the stones and brian jones it's being released through magnolia pictures it'll be out on november 17th so be looking for this you can go to the magnolia pictures website to find out more about that from my heart for all of your work thank you so much so many great films you were on again for uh, Marianne and Leonard. And I look forward to more and I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you, Nick. Well, I appreciate your time too. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 